Hello and welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Over the many years I've been running a business, I've met many, many successful people, entrepreneurs, sports stars, celebrities, and dare I say, even royalty. So what makes a person successful? Do we know what success is? And the all-important question, can we create success for ourselves? This podcast series invites a diverse group of people to share their insights, their wisdom, and the things they've learned along the way. I'm delighted to welcome Matthew Murphy as my podcast guest today. If you aren't familiar with his name, I'm sure you'll be very familiar with his band, The Wombats, for whom Matthew is the lead singer, vocalist, guitarist, songwriter, kind of jack of all trades, but super talented. His musical talent was discovered at a young age when he started playing the guitar at age five, and his teen years saw his world become more and more shaped by music as he joined his first band at the age of 13 and went on to study music the Liverpool Institute of Performing Arts, where he met his Wombat bandmates. His path to fame with the band wasn't an easy one. During his teens, he also started suffering with anxiety and depression. Despite this, he's gone on to become a huge success with his band and more recently as a solo artist. Someone I've been trying to track down for a while, um, well, if you don't mind me saying so, Murph, a, a good friend, somebody I've known for quite some time, and, and altogether great guy and very, very musically talented too. So it's given me great pleasure to work, welcome Matthew Murphy to the Sandro Forte podcast today. Thanks for having me, Sandro. Yeah, no, that was a, that was a beautiful little intro. <laughs> uh, well, well, we'll send you a recording of it. You can share it. <laughs> um, so, so Murph, tell me about your, your childhood, first of all. Um, you know, a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of people out there that know all about you. You've got a huge following, sold gazillions gazillions of records Um, but a lot of people won't know about Matthew Murphy and growing up and you know some of the trials and tribulations that I've also mentioned so um, let's just start with your with your childhood and that kind of discovery of your musical talent. Yes yeah growing up in Liverpool kind of a actually you know probably about 150 yards from Strawberry Fields um, uh, in Walton and um, I yeah I guess I had kind of a it was a good it was a good childhood we had a kind of nice house in the suburbs nothing kind of overly um, exciting there but maybe I think um, now that I look back on it it was like a very typically British kind of uh, household situation there wasn't much talk about emotions, feelings, any of that stuff. That was all pretty much uh, completely breezed over. And I guess somehow I, uh, over the years, managed to turn that to my advantage, I think. So uh, at what age did you, you know, so many people have a hobby, you know, and we've already talked about the fact that you uh, had this this innate talent in music that you discovered at a very young age. So many people have a a hobby, they discover a talent, and then they just don't do anything with it. So, you know, obviously one of the great musicians in the world, Liverpool. Um, but how do you take a talent or a hobby or a, an, an ambition, if you have one at age five, and turn it into much I think, well, I mean, uh, the it was like really, my dad really wanted me to play guitar. He was a guitarist in bands and, he was like part of the Mersey Beat era. I think he had a song that like charted at like 87 with a band uh, called 
Denny Satan and the Sabres, not Satan as in the devil. Uh, it was S-E-Y-T-O-N, I think. Um, and he just really wanted me to play guitar. So I was learning classical guitar, but I hadn't, it wasn't something that I was completely in love with yet. Um, and then somewhere along the line, kind of when I started kind of writing songs and wanting to be in bands and things. And then um, I think that, you know, as I, as much as I hate to say it, I'm kind of beholden to others' opinions of me sometimes. And when other, when other people's opinions of me are positive, then I kind of jump on it. And I think that's what happened maybe when I was 17, 18, you know, people, peers and people I respected say were like, you know, hey, you're actually really good at this. Um, should take it seriously. But it but obviously started first band at age 13. Uh, tell us about that. Was it, was it a great band? Do you look back now with pride or do you look back and kind of hang your head in shame? Um, <laughs> we were fucking terrible. Um, but, um, but it was a lot of fun and it was kind of, you know, it was a necessary um, building block um, yeah, I was in a couple of bands between the ages of, I suppose, 13 to 17. Um, maybe more maybe more 15 to 17, and I'd leave school and then get the bus into town, into Liverpool, where we had a practice set up. And we just kind of sit in there and smoke way too much weed and make really weird, kind of pretty horrible Pink Floyd-esque um, music. It was really weird, but it, it was a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, I think that definitely kind of um, harmed my um, studies and GCSEs and A-levels at the time. Um, but, you know, maybe that was kind of necessary uh, to, to get where I am now. And I guess uh, if I can make this observation, I guess that's a really good analogy for so much that people face in life. You know, they they do those, those barriers, the roadblocks, the obstacles. They do things that they're not particularly proud of. But what you're saying, really, Matthew, this is a that was part of the learning experience, the necessary step that you had to take in order to go on to achieve well the success that you have achieved subsequently. <laughs> Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, lucky, luckily enough for me, kind of the, the industry and field that I work in, no one really cares what degree, what masters or what A-levels you have anyway. So um, it really kind of doesn't affect you if you're kind of uh, going down um, a, a, a music-driven path, I suppose. Um, and I guess one of, the th one of the things that I'm kind of, you know, uh, learning as time progresses is that um, there's kind of no point looking back with uh, looking back on your life with any shame. You just got to use it as fuel and try and be positive about it and let it really impact your future. What advice then would you give to uh, any youngster? And there's plenty of young people that listen to this podcast. Uh, Merv, what what advice would you give to a youngster? that realise that they've got talent, you know, whether they're being pushed by a parent or uh, by their, you know, their friends and their peers, but they realise they've got a talent and they have a real passion for pursuing music as a career. You know, they're regularly watching TV programmes that are, you know, rejecting more talented uh, singers and artists than, than ever before. Um, but if somebody's got a real desire to achieve, well, you know, how do they go about it? What advice would you give to somebody who you know, does really want to make a career out of music and just doesn't know how? Um, it's really um, 
just listening to yourself and trying to drown out the noise as much as possible. And also kind of trying to wrap your head around what rejection actually is and how important rejection is as well. Because like if you're going into the music industry, you're going to get rejected you know, 20 times a day. And it's something that you've got to learn, you, you know, you've got to almost learn to like love it and kind of, um, you know, um, chuckle about it in a way, like when something doesn't go right for me, I, I, I kind of, it, it kind of makes me, um, it drives me and it makes me laugh almost rather than kind of puts me in a negative headspace. I think that as a songwriter, all you're basically doing is constantly like opening up, the, up your palm and saying, hey, is this good enough? And a lot of the times people will say no. And um, that's what it is. And you move to the next song where they will inevitably say yes. But I guess what that's what makes music in particular so appealing because, you know, it's all very subjective. Somebody might love your music and somebody might not love your music quite so much. But, it, you know, it's just a matter of opinion. So... I love that that strap line. Learn to love rejection. You know, there's a lot of people out there uh, that will struggle with it, but um, that's a really a really good takeaway. Now, obviously, and uh, I think one other thing is that in in the music industry, especially if you're um, very young and maybe um, you know haven't built up kind of. Um, um, strong confidence or you don't quite understand who you are yet. A lot of people will try and jump on that and will make you believe that they know exactly how everything works and how it plays out. And the more I've been in the industry is that it's all total bullshit and no one has a clue what they're doing. It's just a blag from day to day. And I think when you look at it like that, um, it makes the rejection a lot um, easier to take on board. And it kind of almost makes it more fun because then you kind of uh, you have more belief in yourself because you don't really because you think that what everyone else is thinking is nonsense anyway. So you there you were in your band as a as a thirteen year old and uh, you know you you made your music whatever it was. Um, but where did the big break come from? How did how did all that happen? Um, we, were, we, we released some singles on a small um, indie label called Kids, which was run by Dave Forbert. And he was working for um, Warner and a um, record label called 14th Floor. And um, he played one of our songs, Moving to New York, in like kind of an A&R meeting. And Christian Tattersfield, um, who you know, was kind of res responsible for, like he signed Damien Rice, Jay-Z in the UK, Biffy Clyro. Um, recently, he's just signed, God, what's it, Freya Ridings. Um, you know, quite a su successful figure in the UK music industry. And then he kind of signed our publishing and then we first realised we could make some money out of it. We didn't have to work for a year. And then he signed our record deals and then, everything kind of went from there really, but it was complete chance that, you know, Dave Forbert was working for him and he decided to play that song uh, in a meeting. Now, of course, everybody, you know, recognizes the success uh, you and your uh, bandmates have achieved over the same period of time. I mean, reinvent yourself and, and really stay at the top of your game for a very long time, which is, is really going some in a very competitive industry. But obviously, um, 
it hasn't all been plain sailing for you, has it? I mean, you, as I alluded to earlier in the introduction, uh, you went through a period of uh, struggling with depression and anxiety. Um, when did when did that when did that start, Matthew? <laughs> Um, I first started seeing signs of that when I was about 16, 17, <clears throat> which is kind of, you know, in the literal purple haze that I was in in Liverpool. Um, and, yeah, it was always kind of there or thereabouts. And then I guess I've had kind of two episodes where I've, you know, been really low. One of them was in university. And then the second one was um after our third album, when we when we got dropped by Warner, everything kind of changed. We kind of got streamed onto Warner. Um, the guy who signed us left. The guy who was there didn't really care about the band. We got dropped, and then I took it really bad. And um, that was, you know, the beginning of quite a, you know, a, a, a serious low for about four months. And but also ultimately um, a huge learning curve, which I'm really happy I went through and um yeah subsequently since the, it put a lot of pressure on our fourth album and subsequently Warner tried to re-sign us and we and we had to tell them no which was a, a nice feeling yeah I was going to say that went full circle didn't it um, yeah there's obviously now a much greater awareness and better understanding of mental health issues um which obviously helps more people cope but going back to when you were a teen how different do you think things were then in terms of understanding and, and what support did you get, if, if any? Um, <clears throat> I would do kind of psychotherapy through the NHS. That was really helpful. Um, but I wasn't really put on any antidepressants or anything at that point. I think one of the, th one of the great things that's happened over the last decade is this idea of mindfulness and how kind of now you know i think self-improvement self-help is not you know generally society doesn't have a uh, an issue with that whereas i felt maybe you know if you're going into waterstones getting self-help books in liverpool in the late 90s you know that would feel a lot different than what it would do now and and how do you do you, i mean you matching those issues uh do you find that um they they, they resurface every now and again because I, I have a specific question which i'm particularly interested to ask about your songwriting because you know you said that um you know i know through conversations i've had with you in the past matthew that um sometimes it's difficult to find the inspiration to write an album but obviously you've done it successfully many times um do, do you think that your experiences have helped you to become a better songwriter um yeah i think so um i don't know i don't know how helpful the anxiety <laughs> is really to anything um but you know um i think going within yourself as far as you can possibly go always kind of um makes you understand yourself better which then leads to kind of you know fresher perspectives and maybe more objectivity on life which i think is essentially what um makes a great songwriter is having that sense of um ob objectivity do you believe that the the fact that you write and perform your own music um and it, it results in songs certainly from what i've heard that people can relate to that sense of feeling and therefore um i'm just keen to understand matthew where your 
songs come from, what the basic messages are, where where you stand, what you what you produce. Um, because you stand for something. There is a there is a musical genre, isn't there? That um, that is that is what has made you so successful. Yeah, I guess uh, I think um, subconsciously, you know, all uh, a lot of my songs are kind of about escapism, and I think that people um, can um, understand that whether it's kind of wanting to escape from home as a kid or wanting to just kind of leave the present moment for a little bit to go somewhere else. And, um, yeah, I'd like to think it does spur people on as well. And I feel like we're all, you know, it's, we're all interconnected in some way and, um, we have to kind of, um, let other people's successes kind of rub off, rub off on us rather than kind of, um, play them down. Um, feel like that's kind of the best that's the uh best path for a, a happy life i think so I, i'm tapping into you for a lot of advice today but given your experiences um and given that they are you know a lot of your challenges personally have, have become so topical what advice do you give Merv to anyone especially those going through their teenage now hormone developmental pressures and all the other things that you know uh, they have to deal with it in the modern world to help them work out whether they may be suffering health issues. Because, I mean, a lot of people struggle to recognise those symptoms that you talked about. So um, what would you say to anyone who thinks they may have uh, those kinds of mental health issues to be dealing with? Um, it's really hard because I think it's very obvious when you're having kind of an episode, a manic episode, a depressive episode. I think, you know, it's clear that the mind has really shifted into a different gear. And I think that's very obvious, but it's more about kind of the telltelling signs um, before that, like kind of lethargy, you know, low mood and, you know, just... <sighs> you just got to kind of make yourself the number one priority. If, 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 if you go downhill and that affects the whole chain and it's really important to take care of yourself and um, try and listen to yourself as much as possible and be honest with yourself and, you know, really ask yourself some difficult questions. And the other, the other thing I wanted to ask you is how do you retain uh, how have you achieved such longevity uh, within your musical career? Because, I mean, it's, it's not... We've seen lots of examples of bands that have been super successful as you have been, and they've kind of split up and do their own thing. And we'll talk about your solo career in a minute, but, you know, you've been together for an awful long time and you, you've kept producing amazing music. If anyone's not listening to the one back, they really need to, to, uh, to listen to it. But how have you, how have you managed to keep it uh, so fresh? How have you all managed to stay such good friends? What's the secret to that? Um, well, there's a lot of, uh, I think we're kind of three extremely stubborn individuals um, and um, we just kind of have a, a goal and I don't think we're going to stop until we get there, no matter what kind of gets in our way. Um, so I think stubbornness is, is really uh, helpful. Um, 
I think you know, there's obviously an element of luck. You know, I think that the whole, you know, uh, digital streaming platforms, Spotify, things like that really kind of gave us a new life and really gave us um, a lot of confidence when it all started happening in 2016, 2017. It was suddenly like, oh, wow, actually, we're pretty big. I'd like to think, and maybe this is just my ego talking, but there's an element of kind of, you know, the, the lyrics that I write are pretty weird and the music is pretty poppy. And I've never, you know, even when I've written for other artists or whatever, I struggle to write, um, you know, kind of dumbed down lyrics. And I think the fact that it's always been a little off the wall and left field in a slightly bizarre perspective has really kind of, put us in good stead and kind of separated us from bands that probably were as successful as us um, in 2008, but, you know, are nowhere to be seen in 2020. You've mentioned luck a couple of times now during our chat today, Matthew. Um, I, I, I want to challenge you a little bit on that and, and ask you whether or not you do genuinely think that it was just good fortune on occasions that got you to where you were. It was obviously a lot of musical talent, of course. Um, but, it, you know, from what you were saying earlier about that learning to love rejection and putting yourself out there as many times as you did, you know, to be shot down, which many people won't even, uh, you know, they won't they won't put their neck on the chopping block, as it were. Um, has luck come about because you've just you've just been prepared a bit more than everyone else to be shot down, to run the, you know, to run that risk of failure that so many people avoid by just not doing anything in the first place. Do you think it really is luck or is it just because, are you being a bit immodest there? Uh, (coughs) Maybe, yeah, I don't, I'm not a great um, believer in um, luck, really. I, I guess when I'm saying luck, I'm kind of referring to, the. you know, there are things that, I'm not in control of, and um, I guess that's what um, I guess that's what I mean by uh, luck. And I, I guess um, you know uh, you just got to put yourself in the best possible position for the best possible outcome at all times. So um, you know, I think we put in the you know we put in the hard work and the groundwork, and then maybe luck kind of that's when luck comes on board at a later date yeah as i said i knew you were just being modest yeah. uh, so, <laughs> now you you alluded to this earlier i'm just going to pick up on this because this is important you know we we get told a lot these days especially you know uh partial row levels partial row levels they're not full row levels of course anymore um showing my age but you know you scrape through your a levels while, while smoking a lot of weed now despite this of course not being something we encourage our uh, our listeners to take up. You've clearly become usually successful without having a heavily academic background. Let's be, let's be honest about that. But what what was it about you as a person, as an individual, that then you went on to become so incredibly successful? Was it passion and determination, or that good fortune that you mentioned earlier? No, I don't. I don't think it's it's good fortune. I think like there's determination, and maybe all importantly, uh, most importantly, is that kind of I was provided a voice. Um, whether that was from my upbringing, from maybe not uh, having stable, strong emotional, you know, connections when I was a kid or when I was growing up 
from you know I, I think it's given me a voice that that I just that really wants to keep coming out um it's a combination of you know the right shit happening in the past and um uh, a way of a way of figuring out how to get it out of you i guess that is singing playing guitar playing a a harmonica whatever it may be a way of expressing that voice and then combined with um probably a little bit of arrested arrested development um stubbornness and determination yeah good answer i, I like that and obviously knowing you as i do i, I can attest that all those things <laughs> uh, <Thank you. laughs> so um tell me about your solo project now love fame tragedy how did that how did that come about yeah, I had some um, songs left over from Beautiful People Will Ruin Your Life, which is the Wombat's fourth album. And um, it just started off as I was just speaking to my manager and I was just like, well, you know, they're good songs. We should just put them up, you know, call it whatever we want. And then it, and then because I'd moved to L.A., I was the, the predominantly still touring in the UK and Europe. So whenever I had time off, this was in between festivals and stuff. So I don't regularly have four to five days off um, every week. So I would just be in London or Stockholm or wherever I was and I'd be writing. And then suddenly kind of um, a load of great songs came and then it snowballed into this actual um, thing that wasn't kind of, you know, just a, just a, a thought, um, yeah, and then, yeah, so there was, you know, then I signed the record deal for it, and things started kind of moving, and it became its own actual um, project. And I guess it differentiates itself from the one that's in that it's a much more collaborative thing. Like I've got friends playing on, uh, written a couple of songs with friends. It's kind of just, um, you know, it circumvents uh, all the politics of. <clears throat> being in a band for you know the best part of 20 years and you know if i want to get you know joey santiago from the pixies to wail on a song i can do it in a matter of 10 minutes rather than having a whole bunch of emails going back and forth and you've mentioned the fact that you now live in la and uh you know settled family such a lot has changed hasn't it in the last uh last few years for you so tell us briefly about your life in la Yes, uh, I moved. Well, I spent a lot of time here and I realized there was a point where I kind of had more friends over here and maybe more opportunity over here than I did in London. So um, I started spending even more time here, met my now wife. Um, We live in Mount Washington, which is on the east side, kind of in the hills, um, kind of between Hollywood and Pasadena. We have a 10 month old um, Dylan and two huge evil horse dogs um and uh yeah i i love it here i think la is um ridiculous but i definitely feel 10 percent happier um over here yeah good now what does the what does the future hold four album uh love fame tragedy uh, all kinds of things going on for you any thoughts on on the future because there's a lot of fans out there that will be wondering what's coming next there will be others that haven't heard you before that will now hopefully be buying all your music so uh, what's next for Matt Murphy? Um, well we uh, in Wombat's world we've got kind of 12 songs now for our fifth album and I'd say you know for me 
uh, like our first and fourth album albums, we had like almost a pick bank of about 35 to 40 songs. I feel like that's the number to make a really great album. So I'd say we're a third of the way there with our Wombat's fifth album. And, um, and then the Love, Fame, Tragedy album comes out, I believe, end of June, July. And then when all this, um, when this pandemic hopefully dies down, then there'll be a lot of touring around that in uh, the UK and Europe, US, Australia. And then, yeah, then hopefully the Wombat's album will be done. And yeah, I'm going to be a busy, busy boy for a, a good few more years yet. Wow. Well, good, good luck with all of that, of course. So if, if there's anyone listening that has never heard the Wombat before um, and they were searching for one song and you could direct them towards one song that you gave, you felt gave them the very best taste of the Wombats, what, what would be the one you'd, uh, you'd point them towards? Well, um, there's two songs really. Um, probably, I think "Turn" from our most recent album is kind of a really special song. And then there's, um, uh, yeah, well, actually, let's just stick with "Turn" from our most recent album. Yeah, yeah, good choice. Like that very much. I've got, I've got a few favourites actually. Um, <laughs> so, uh, last couple of questions because time is against us, unfortunately. Um, first question is: How do people find out more about Matthew Murphy, the Wombats? Uh, we've well, already mentioned the new album when that's coming out, so we can all look out for that one. What about social media presence, websites, things like that, where people get hold of you? I mean, yeah, if you go onto Instagram and type in Wombats, there'll be a Wombats official account um, with a blue tick. Same with Love, Fame, Tragedy. Um, it should be pretty simple if you, uh, yeah, just going onto your, uh, the, whatever kind of social media things you use and just type in those names. It should come up, but I think it's Wombat's official on Instagram and um, Love, Fame, Tragedy on Instagram as well. Okay, fine. Well, we'll check those out, and uh, I've, I'm already connected with you, so um, let's try and encourage a few others to do the same. Final yeah. question. Um, you know, you're a, you're a young man. You're a, you're a baby by comparison to me. Um, but in all of that amazing life experience from, you know, the teenage years to the upbringing in Liverpool to the move to L.A., to the four albums, to the to the solo album, and the fifth one, uh, not far away. Uh, with all that amazing experience, uh, Dylan is now 16 years old, and he comes up, he plonks himself on his on your lap, and he says, "Dad, I'm thinking about going out into the big wide world. I want to make you know a splash. I want to make a career for myself. Don't really know what I want to do yet, but what one bit of fatherly advice would you give me, based on all of your experience to date? Would you give me?" to set me on the right path in life. What would that, what would that piece of advice be to Dylan, Matthew? I think fear and self-preservation are, you know, useful evolutionary tools, but they're really not any use in terms of going out into the wide world and making a success of your life. Um, so it would be almost to ignore those because, you know, we're not, cavemen anymore um or especially not in kind of you know la london everywhere like that we aren't um would be to ignore the, those feelings and just get out the trust the process and put your head on a chopping block and always know that um when your head does get chopped off you can always put it back on and try something else or start again i, I absolutely love that wasn't probably the best uh, the best analogy i've i've heard yeah in the <laughs> guests we've had on the sandro forte podcast i'm gonna dine out on that one for quite some time uh, I'm a master of nonsensical analyses. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say a bit like the lyrics in some of your songs, really. Um, yeah. 
So I, I have to say, I knew it was going to be a joy speaking to you today. Um, and there's going to be a lot of people uh, tapping into Matthew Murphy and finding out a lot about what you're doing and becoming new fans of the Wombats because the music is really genuinely terrific. So um, obviously there's still lots to do. Um, as you say, a few tours coming up. So on behalf of oh, a very large number of people now listening across 40 odd countries, um, wish you well for all that you continue to do. Do of course, connect with us when you come over to the UK. Uh, yes. We do miss you here. It's been ages since I've seen you. So um, it would be lovely to reconnect when you're back over here, hopefully with the family. But uh, in the meantime, thank you for being such a wonderful guest, sharing so many incredible insights that will help a lot of people, but obviously also giving us a, a flavour of the wombats and what's, make, uh, what's made you so uh, so successful over the years. So yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. And um, it was nice to hear your voice again. It's been a while. And I'll see you at the next London show for a, for a beer. I'll be on the front row. Thank you very much. <laughs> so thank you for joining us on the Sandro Forte podcast once again. Wasn't Matthew Murphy absolutely terrific? He's a great, great guy. You should check out his music. Each week, we've got a new guest joining us to share their own insights into achieving success or, of course, overcoming life challenges. And Matthew's experienced a bit of both. So please make sure you subscribe, follow us on social media, Sandro's podcast, same on all channels, and keep those emails coming with any questions you've got. Hello at sandrospodcast.com. And remember those two other things to connect with me, Sandro Forte. It's the real Sandro Forte on Instagram. Leave the reviews on iTunes. And don't forget, you'll be automatically entered into a draw to win one of the prizes donated by a guest on the Sandro Forte podcast. Possibly we could prize a couple of tickets out of Matthew Murphy as one of those prizes. So until this time next week, another great guest. Goodbye for now. 